Are you worried that recent events have derailed your retirement plans? It certainly made us reassess all aspects of ours. And that's why we're proud to offer our listeners a chance to work with David McClellan, a fiduciary financial advisor from Forum Financial. David's practice specializes in financial life coaching and retirement planning. And right now, he's offering free consultations for our listeners if you mention the podcast. As part of this consultation, David can help you understand your financial freedom number and what that means to you in assessing your future financial plans. If you want to build wealth, if you want to make optimal decisions within your financial life, David is someone you need to talk to. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. Once again, that's David McClellan at 312-933-8823. He's located in Austin, Texas, but he's got a nationwide clientele. Do yourself a favor and get some great financial advice for free and see if you might want to work with Mr. McClellan. I think you'll be happy with your phone call. If you are looking for an elite mortgage guy in the state of Texas, the great state of Texas, uh, you got to go call Gabe Winslow. You got one person to call. His name is Gabe, 832-557-1095. Hey, look, you might already have your mortgage guy or gal. That's all good. Uh, the very least you can do in terms of your due diligence is find out what their best deal is and then shop it to Gabe and see if it can be improved. In fact, if it's a phenomenal deal, uh, he'll actually tell you that. And, uh, you know, if you might not even uh, need a mortgage or a refi or anything like that, he might tell you that as well and talk to you about HELOCs. And I know plenty of people who have called him from the podcast who thought they needed to do a refi and Gabe effectively talked them out of it, taking money out of his pocket and said, no, actually, you're more appropriate for HELOC or you're more appropriate for this or you should do this or that. Uh, that's kind of how Gabe rolls. That's why I like him. That's why I'm proud that he's a sponsor of this podcast. You can reach him at mortgagesbygabe.com or 832-557-1095. And if you're a state of Texas realtor, times are a little slow right now. It's not quite what it was about a year ago for y'all. Hey, reach out to Gabe. He is very helpful uh, in helping coach you on some of the points of working with your mortgage preferred mortgage person, or maybe working with him, give him a call and see if there's a bridge that can be built. Certainly can't hurt you. And if you are buying a home in the Sentex area, none other than Laura Baker is the person you need to call 780, uh, 512-784-0505. Hey, Randy, is, are there any alternate area codes for Austin now? Has it grown that no, enough that there's not a 5-1? There's an additional area code for Austin? Not that I'm aware of. Um, I'm sure there's some around the area, but no, not that I'm aware of. I think it's still all 5-1-2 if you're quote-unquote Austin. Okay, so the, there was a snob thing in New York City and San Francisco where they had to introduce secondary and tertiary area codes for the population. And if you had the original OG area code, that was like, in San Francisco, it was the 415. But if you had an alternate area code, people kind of looked down on you because they knew you were a Johnny come lately. So. Well, you, Houston's got that now with the, the couple they have. And man, I'm old now and my memory sucks. But I want to say we used to be 512 down here. I think that was a, a Yeah, 512 is used in multiple places. Um, yeah. Also, the 867 prefix from the 8675309 song that's there's there are people who have been assigned that number and, and regret it i'm sure <laughs> for sure yeah, <laughs> lots definitely. of stoned uh, people in the 1980s were calling them and uh asking saying that they got their number on the wall but uh randy i didn't get your number on the wall but you did have a chance to talk to watch some of the spring game at least 
and absorb some of the content around the spring game. And I, I actually was able to have a chat with Ian Boyd, having not watched it the second time. So I wanted to go over it a little bit with you, see if you saw anything that I didn't see, and then also talk about some of the things that I saw on the second viewing that I didn't see in the first. And so yeah. I'll throw it open to you or I can start us off. You tell me, what do you prefer? No, let, let me start it because I'm going to throw it back to you. And I, I'd be more interested, more interested to hear your, uh, your take on the second watch, uh, probably right. than most people have on my first, but, uh, um, I thought that you saw hints that the offense was going to be a little different next year. Um, I think they're very confident in the Ewers development. And I think they're also very confident in what they have behind Ewers. Um, offensively, I see the potential. And once again, Daryl Royal, potential is what gets you fired, right? It, it's the best offensive talent group, offensive line-wise and skill position-wise we've had in a long time. Um, so that's exciting for me. And then defensively, I think it's the most depth we've had. I'm, I'm not sure how talented we are defensively uh, quite yet. Uh, I think health will have a lot on lot to do with that uh secondary wise and then you know you'll see what happens upon upon the uh defensive line being thrust into action but uh i think i texted you uh before the game that morning and it's it's the most excited i've been about a team in a while um so i'll i'll, I'll toss it back to you and get your take but i have one more point that i want to get to here in a bit so go ahead no, I agree with what you said. And I got to tell you on the rewatch, I, on the first watch, I was impressed with Malik Murphy. On yes. the rewatch, I was even more impressed. Because the first thing you noticed were, were some of the strikes he was throwing, the arm, the velocity, you know, the freaking nerds on Twitter, the NFL draft nerds who like to put scout yeah. in their profile, right? And they've never, yeah, it's, they've never coached. That's a tired deal. I, they do, I no they do the, they talk about arm talent, which is a way of describing a guy can throw well without having to put any specifics yeah. on it. But uh, all of Malik's throws were dead eye accurate. And I'm talking to the degree of not that he hit the dude in the chest. I mean, he hit them in the lead upfield hand. Like, so as the guy catches it, he can turn and immediately start making a move on a defender. So he's he's into the realm of ball placement, not accuracy. Anyway, we've had this conversation once again. I'm gonna throw it back to baseball. Uh, command versus control, right? Yep. Can you throw it in the box versus can you throw it where you want to in the box? So football, quarterback wise, yeah, I can complete that pass, but can I complete that pass in a position where the receiver can catch it and then do something with it? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think he demonstrated the ability to do so. Um, I think Quinn did a good job of that. I still think he gets a little lazy on some, some, you know, quote unquote, elementary throws. Uh, especially hey, let's, screen, let's, screen let's talk about that. Is I, I noticed that as well. And I got to say the throwing from the hip to the three quarter drives me nuts. And I, I understand he can do it. Uh, I get it. But I think his lack of a, of a clear throwing motion and a lack of like, this is my basic platform. And then I deviated as needed. Right. Uh, I think it leads to some inaccuracy and some inconsistency. And I think 
he holds the ball a little long because of it. Because if you're holding the ball that low, you still have to kind of sort of cock it and throw it. And he's got a quick release from the time he cocks it to throw. But he was holding on the ball a little too long uh, on some of those plays. Did, did, am I being too hard here? What do you think? No, I agree. And I, I just don't know what part of that can be attributed to uh, him mechanically or just the fact that he knew he wasn't going to get hit. So, yeah. I think that you find that out once bullets start flying, right? But um, I don't disagree with the with the mechanical deal, and I mean I'm far from being a quarterback guru, but um, just from what I've seen and this and that, um, he's improved his footwork. Um, looks like he's reading the whole field a lot more. Uh, I saw a lot more of that than uh, half field reads or you know, kind of the quote unquote, easy read, uh, RPOs type, type stuff. Uh, not saying that RPOs aren't going to be a big part of this offense. Cause I think they will be, but, uh, I think he is demonstrating the ability to throw four wide receivers on the field and trust him to be able to read it sideline to sideline and make the correct decisions. Yeah. I saw big strides from both quarterbacks in the inter- intermediate passing game, which was effectively non-existent last year, other than that out route. And yeah, we didn't have one. Yeah, you're correct. We didn't have one. And that is what the Big 12, by formation and, and by disposition, will concede to you. Like, hey, if you can make these execution throws, you're going to be in favorable down the distance. You're not going to be in third and nine all the time. And you're going to be able to move up and down the field. And then then we start to introduce complexity as you enter the red zone and all that stuff. But, you know, hitting that was big. Um, I, I know people were very awed by the back-to-back deep throws by Malik Murphy. You know, the first one dropped. The second one, the, a nice ball to Jonte Cook. Both burning a, a walk-on corner, right? Number yeah. 39. Um, that was not my favorite Malik throw. No, he made much better throws than those that, that made me more excited. Um, I've, I've held in the opinion that he's the backup for a while now and yeah. it's kind of centered upon health, I guess, but he looks healthy and, um, and say what just, I mean, this is spring game. I obviously don't watch practice, blah, 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 blah. I, I mean, I, I, Quinn gets off to a bad start. I don't feel bad about seeing what happens there. I mean, it may not work. Neither one of them may work. I don't know. But arm talent-wise, they can make throws. Yeah, and and before people get all freaked out, uh, Chance Mock came in. Yeah, 100%. Saved Vince Young when he was not feeling it against Tech, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, We've had John Childs come in in relief of Colt McCoy when he was going through a tough stretch. We had Colt McCoy and Jevin Sneed locked in a, like, you know, battle up into the very moment before they announced the starter and the kick, you know, the opener. So I guess Texas fans despise the idea of a quarterback controversy for good reason. But some quarterback controversies are healthy because you mean you end up with the better guy eventually. 100%. And and all games are pretty unequal, basically. I mean, yeah. Yeah, there's going to be a game where you need this and maybe you need that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not saying you want to throw Arch Manning out there, but 
talent wise is the deepest the room's ever been it since i've been alive at least yeah. and i mean if you run into a game where you know people get nicked up or whatever i i mean i think you got three quarterbacks you can win a football game with now it may not be pretty <clears throat> Yeah, but I think you have three guys that you can throw on the field and they can do the things necessary to win a football game. Well, and to clarify what Randy and I are saying, there was a point last year where Quinn Ewers was clearly hurt after. Well, obviously, he was hurt when Will Anderson picked him up and and slammed him when Quinn tried to jump up in the air to throw. Uh, He was clearly hurt then. But when he recovered and he came back he got dinged up again, right? And he clear, you could yep. clearly tell he was playing hurt. At that point, I'm now at the point where I'd say, no, no, I'll, I'll put in 100% Malik Murphy over 80% Quinn. We're, we're good. You know, Quinn, go rest up. We got this. We're, we're playing BYU this week or we're playing UCF or whoever. Malik, go out there. Give us a little preview of what you can do. Uh, I have no problem with that. And I agree. To me, to me that's a huge... That's a huge plank in the floor of our season. So I think, I think, and, and there's going to be people out there, myself included, that would have argued last year where that's fine. Hudson goes in, but it changes the offense. Yes. I don't think that's the case currently. All Am three dudes, all three quarterbacks run the same offense. It, 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 thank you. So that that was where I was. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't misspeaking there, in your opinion, or, well, maybe I was in your opinion. But I I, I think that the offensive plan that Sark has for whatever it is this year, and I don't know if you've seen the Pivot podcast yet, but I think everybody out there should go check that out because that was pretty awesome. Um, the three guys that we're training to play quarterback at Texas can run the game plan Mm -hmm. varying abilities, obviously, but we don't have to change the offense based upon who the quarterback is. No, not at all. And I, I, so I, I like all different sorts of quarterbacks, right. And in the college game, there's, there's huge value in a highly mobile quarterback who can, take your nuts out of the fire right yep. mm-hmm. we all know that but man a big strong quarterback who's strong in the pocket and just shakes off like casual mm-hmm. contact and a guy bumping into him and then steps up in the pocket and throws a dart there's something in the football purists that i just yeah. love about that guy and byron byron Leftwich, right yeah or been big ben right yep. Young big, you know, pre uh, two hundred and eighty five pound Big Ben, right? Um, I mean, Josh <laughs> Allen does it all the time. By the way, he could also run, but you know, sometimes he'll just step up in the pocket. And a and a NFL defensive lineman, albeit a, a line a offensive lineman's getting a piece of him as he goes by, but he does the flyby grab as he gets a piece of his shoulder pad and tries to pull on him. Josh Allen just shakes him off and throws a dart fifty yards down the field, and uh, you know, Stephon Diggs gets a touchdown. Something at a primal level. I love that shit. <laughs> I love it. Be, being physically better than somebody else yes. will always carry that weight yeah. in sports. It doesn't matter what it is. I love, seeing Bryce, yeah, I love seeing Bryce Young be clever. Yep. And like move around in the pocket, manipulate guys and zip a ball. And that's cool. 
but seeing a big six foot four, 235 pound Hoss just wade into the, the pressure and just shrug it off. And, you know, Malik's eyes did not ever leave downfield. Yep. And that's, that's a hard thing. Yep. You know, most quarterbacks feel the rush and they look at the rush. Malik was just like, ah, I'm big and strong. I don't, I don't think you can just pull me down casually. I'm, I'm going to keep my eyes downfield. He looked big too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Not like he looked big to me. Well, I was trying to convey I was like, man, that. He looks, he looks way bigger than what I thought he was. Do you remember when I went to the Alma bowl and I came back and I was like, Malik Murphy's really big at field level. Yes. And you were like, yeah, yeah exactly. I know. I, I looked at the program. He's, and I'm like, no, yeah. no, no. Like, yeah, he's really big. <laughs> like, yeah, I think he, I think he's as big as some of our defensive ends. And you were yeah, like, huh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it's not just the height and weight, which obviously conveys he's a big quarterback, but it's how they're put together how they stand, you know, where it's distributed. You know, you, you see Roy Jones Jr. in his prime, and he's 168 pounds, allegedly. If you saw that guy, you wouldn't be like, huh, there's a skinny little light guy, right? You know, if I say someone's six feet, 168, you're like, oh, it's Xavier Worthy. You see Roy Jones, and you're like, huh, we're, you weigh 195 pounds, right? You know, yep. there's a little bit of that with uh, that. Anyway, we're gushing about Malik here. I just, I found that to be a very pleasant surprise. No, I think I think so. I mean, that's something to have in your back pocket for sure. I mean, I don't know if he ever plays for Texas, but I have no problem with him if he does. Well, I, I told Ian Boyd, my fear is he's the dude who's, you know, the beloved Fresno State starting quarterback for two years, yeah. leads him to two 10-win seasons, a, a semi-major bowl with a big upset over a Big Ten team, and then he goes to the NFL draft, and we're like, oh, man. Like, please, uh, you know, our dream, the dream would be Malik is a, a one or two year wonder, right? Who just bides his time and, and makes the most of his opportunity, like so many Alabama quarterbacks, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, if, if the, the worst case scenario is that he doesn't play at Texas and we have good quarterback play and yeah. he ends up being successful in the NFL, then huh, right. That's that's where you want your program to be. For sure. Like you want you want third string wide receiver to be like, man, I, I could have played more at Texas, but now I'm the slot guy for the Panthers and well, I'm but, a six-year guy. That's where you want your program to be, where you start bemoaning, hey, why didn't this guy play in college? Well, the reason he didn't play is because there was three guys in front of him that were more talented. That's where you want your program to be. Well, when it's, hard to do, it's hard to do now, yeah. but that's where you want it to be. When Ohio State is bemoaning the fact that their third string quarterback is now a top five NFL quarterback. Yeah. After 100%. his stint yes. at LSU, Absolutely. you're like, wow. All right. So you went from Justin Fields to CJ Stroud to, you know, like, I, I get it. I, I would argue that there's probably some evaluation uh, in that that played into it. But yes, I, I agree. Yes. 100%. Yeah. I, I think if they could have it over, they would have kept Joe Burrow around. Probably but, so. Probably you know, so. Um, that's, if that's how the cookie crumbles for you, you're still playing at a pretty high level. So, yeah. uh, hey, did have you? This is just an aside, and we can go down this road however long you want, including you just saying no. But I have not seen the warrior. No, you've not seen the warriors. It's plural. Oh, I'm sorry. It's plural. and it's My it's bad. one of the most important guy <laughs> films. If you're if you're a dude, 
you played pro sports and you're like a dude from Yoakum, Texas. How have you not seen the Warriors? What's wrong with you? Have you seen we Highlander? Don't, we, don't, we don't even have TVs down here. Have you seen Highlander? Yes. Did you like Highlander? No. I, I'm going to end the podcast. What is, what is <laughs> happening right now? <laughs> I'm not talking about the TV show, Highlander. I knew, I knew what your response is going to be. I'm sorry. All right. Hey, you're in your life. I can't. This, I got to be honest, man. I'm an. I'm an honest guy. And then when you saw Old School with Will Ferrell, you were like, "This is stupid. I don't even get it. This isn't funny." Did you do that no, I too? Did. I did. I did appreciate that movie. Okay. All right. Good. Well, at least there's some hope. All right. Uh, all right. So, so go ahead. Have you watched these four NFL quarterbacks that you know potential NFL draft guys who are? Everyone's doing their very best to make this like an elite quarterback class of all time. Um, and I think a lot of NFL GMs are trying to pump themselves up into believing that as well. But have you seen these guys? Do you have any opinion? Yeah, I do. Uh, the, the, so the GM thing, like they're trying to protect their job, right? Yes. Like, and they have to justify the fact of they got an owner in their ear that's like, hey, our quarterback sucks. You need to go find me one. Uh, yeah, none of these guys are the the answer, in my opinion. I, Bryce Young may end up being one, but he's going to be a Drew Brees type guy where he's going to. You better have a damn good offensive line in front of him. Like there, there are there are multiple factors of what could make the these guys successful. And I'm not saying that a quarterback in the NFL doesn't rely on other people. Uh, none of these guys are. I mean, if I'm a GM in the NFL. I'm picking them in the fourth round. Trade down. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Or I'm going up for a different position because somebody yeah. else is somebody else is chasing something that I don't see. What's and What's I, weird? What's weird about the four, Randy, is they each scare me in a different way. They all have a major flaw that I see, um, and it's not across the board, but I. Man, if I was a GM, I'd have a hard, hard time staking my job on that pick. I'd go get a defensive end or somebody else was a freak and do that. Are you uh are you zooming me from Kenya? You keep slapping at flies like a yeah, I got a, goat herder. No. <laughs> we got uh we got fruit flies. Oh no! Infestation of fruit flies because of all the. How do they get the, in your? How do they get in your house? I don't know how they get in the house, but it's because of the bananas that we have. That our kids say, "Yeah, we're going to eat bananas," and then we end up just making banana muffins out of them. So I don't. I'd love to say it's because we drink so much wine and they're all the wine, but no, it's not why. Nope. You don't. You don't get a. You're not. Uh, Boone's Hill is not named after you. Boone's Farm. Boone's Farm. Oh, sorry. That's right. So if you pour some sugar in a glass with food coloring. That's pretty much it. That's Boone's Farm. Yeah. Uh, no, that's that's not my family, unfortunately. You'd <sighs> probably be a lot better off. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I don't know where that this, but that's what it is. My, <laughs> it was funny. They're like, there's a gnat in the house. I'm like, it's a gnat. It's a fruit fly. But um, well, good thing those things will die quickly. Just to pry Uh, Hey, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, 
close it up in here later. All right, so there's, there's the NFL draft tangent. Uh, back to the Texas spring game. So my other broad observation, probably not breaking new ground here, is we have a crap load of cornerbacks who range from above average to very good. So I've been listening to this. Uh, Y'all have talked about it. Some other people have talked about it. I'm 100% on board with getting those guys on the field at the same time. Yeah. Um, I think it, it may have been you. It may have been somebody else. But it's like you should be able to run the ball on that. But, hey, prove it first. Yeah. Because if I can cover all your guys and I can stop the run, hmm, good luck. Yeah. I mean, that's it's exactly right. Um, but, yeah, it's I mean, it's probably the most div- – it- uh, diverse may not be the correct word, but uh, the depth there is, is really, really encouraging. Um, and I think you've got guys that can do different things. So, you know, you got some guys you can throw out there. I think the Wake Forest guy is probably a man-to-man guy. I think mm-hmm. you got Watts that can body up on the outside, on the short side of the field. Um, and I think you've got some multi-directional guys that, Hey, you want to hide your best guy in the slot? Okay. We got a guy for that. Yeah. Here's his name is Jay Barron. Yeah. I, I think it's very intriguing to try to get all those guys out there. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's whatever happens to Jalen Catalan to me is just a bonus. I'm not even counting on him. True. In 2023. But imagine if he is like, Hey, I'm good. Shoulder turns out it was this thing and they, fi- they fixed it. And I'm good to go. So, so forgive me for my ignorance on this, but um, Jalen Catalan, if you had to, you have free reign. What is his role in our secondary? In your opinion, best best use is he a free safety coming down, just running lanes, wreaking havoc on the run game? Is he coming over the top, or do you think he's more of like a slot cover guy? Oh, I I think he's more your true safety. True, I, I think that, he's, that's what I thought, but yeah, I just want. Now, he is fully capable of coming downhill and wreaking havoc, but I don't want him to do that because his body does not want him to do that. His mind yeah. is willing to do so. His body says, I've got other ideas. I agree. I think, I think if you can keep him healthy and keep him at the free and he's, you know, a deep, deep field rover and you want to play, you know, single high type stuff, uh, I think that's his best benefit. That, I agree with you. I agree with you as well. I mean, I think if he was healthy and – Hey, we're gonna throw this guy in the box as as our eighth guy. I think he could do it. I just I don't know that he want to risk it. No, and also I uh, I think um, it's the best use of him. He's super veteran. He sees things well. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's a you know the coach on the field proverbially and right. And to give Texas fans a comparison of sort of his instincts and his play style, it's basically like imagine if Quandre Diggs played safety. That's a great. That's a that's a really good take there. I agree with that. Like you know how Quandre just sort of had that feel of like, oh, they're throwing this route. And I'm gonna jump it. I'm gonna get there first. Mm-hmm. You know, that's Jalen Catalan, and and you know, physical, not a huge guy, but you know, little giant, right? Plays bigger than he is. And then Jaron Thompson, obviously, is a guy who's yeah. not fearful of contact. And you know, we don't know what we really have with Crawford. We'll see in live fire. Uh, Michael Taff, I know people are like, oh, the 
the walk on, you know, guy from Westlake. It's like, Hey, hey, Michael Tapp is a better athlete than people think. And they also, he's different than what you think he is. Well, and also he was a freshman last year. People are acting like he's a six year senior who's 24 and he's already maxed out. He's no, he's, he's, he's a sophomore this year and he's actually going to get physically better. And if you watch the spring game carefully, he tackles well. He had two good tackles in the open field. He, he's got a good understanding of leverage, in my opinion. And I, I, I mean, I was taught this in high school. I never played it sparingly. But uh, our secondary coach is really, really good at teaching this for a small school in, you know, middle of nowhere, Texas. But uh, lanes, alleys, and leverage is paramount when you're coming up to fill holes uh, from the, from the, the third level is what I call it. Um, we had really good linebackers when I was in high school and it was, it was really, really fun to play behind them, but understanding angles and leverage from the, from the deep secondary it is an art form that I think is very, very much underappreciated in this day and age. Because yeah, everybody wants everybody wants to show late and come up, come up, or show show deep early and then come up late. And the people that are very very successful at stopping the run, and we've run into them uh, in the last couple of years. If your safeties can start twenty yards deep and play flat footed, and understand how to fill the gaps that they're supposed to, and your front seven can play the way they're supposed to. It's three yards. So on that point, one of the reasons the Baltimore Ravens, despite yep. what happens to them, despite their bad luck, they field good teams every year. They get guys like Deshaun Elliott two rounds later than they should because Deshaun Elliott's superpower, and I wrote about this when he was here at Texas and he effectively had one year starting for that inaugural Todd Orlando defense, is he could stand back there 15 yards and support the run like a freaking linebacker and not only make the tackle, but like nail a dude so that the guy regretted it. And the Ravens saw that on film. And apparently that's not appreciated in the other parts of the NFL. And they're like, okay, well, that's, that's our starting safety for the next, you know, nine years. Cool. Let's draft him in the fourth round. Um, You know, it's, it is a superpower. I'm so glad you brought that up. And you know, if you can get that from Thompson and Catalan and you've got really good corners yep. out on the edge, good nickel. Jalen Ford is, is a plus coverage middle linebacker, and he's only going to get better. And then you got <laughs> we got to talk about Anthony Hill. Uh, that guy, so you just get you just blitz him every down, basically. So I'm going to disagree with you on this. <clears throat> okay. I think Hill will be a lot more versatile than everybody thinks. I don't disagree with you on the fact that he now is a guy that you line up and go, okay, we're going to disguise this. Let's, we're going to do this. I don't know that he's a true linebacker, but I think you move him around and he can play the run well enough. But if you turn him loose and you can, and you can make his matchup advantageous to him, 
this year, uh, this year only. Like I think when once he matures, then his game gets you know better and better. But I think I think you can throw him on the field, and he doesn't become a guy to where the opposing offensive coordinator goes, "Oh, Hill's in, he's blitzing." Yeah, I think I think you can line him up, and he's got enough athletic ability in certain instances. You want him to blitz. That's his best plan now. But he doesn't become a guy to where if he runs on the field, the, off, the opposing uh, offensive coordinator is like, well, here comes Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the other thing. My, my two cents. No, I agree. I think the other thing you might do with him is just go start him on the edge. I, I, we, I, I had a buddy. Um, we were talking about this yesterday. And that's, that's his thought. Like, if he comes in the game, he's the edge guy. And you turn him into Lawrence Taylor-ish type deal. So on that, here's the thing about him. Because the, the fear with him is he's young. He's, he's not over 230 pounds. You're like, mm-hmm. he's going to get run over in the run game. He's going to... Here's the thing. Some guys play bigger than they are. But yeah. also, some guys... And I'll... I'll I'm saying this advisedly because I know what a physical freak he is, but Micah Parsons weighs 245, 250, okay? He should get run on when he lines up on the edge or the Cowboys move him around. He doesn't accept blocking because he's so quick. He's so hyper. And guys, they just can't get a piece of him. And it's wiggle, right? It's... But he's not like running around the block and creating a massive crater hole. He's he's engaging the blocker, sliding right off him like he's got a silicone spray painted on his pads, and and like doing spin moves in the run game. And he just doesn't accept blocking. So I was hesitant to bring that name up, but since you did, I'll I'll piggyback on it. I think he's that guy. I think he can play defensive end in a certain situation. I think he can play outside linebacker in a certain situation. And I think he still has the ability to play in the middle as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But those guys are few and far between, but that's what you said is exactly right. Because the reason that people won't put the undersized guy out there is, and he can't hold up. Well, if that guy can't block him, it doesn't really matter if he's 140 pounds or 340 pounds. If he can somehow slip that guy and make a tackle, who cares, right? Yep. And I think he, I really think he has that ability and he's going to get bigger and I don't think he's going to lose athleticism because he looks like a freak. So here's my thought going into the off season. We got four and a half months of development. Pete Kwiatkowski, the upside of this defense. I think the defense is going to be good. If they just play it straight, you know, Pete wants to slot everything into his system and plays it straight. And, you know, Ethan Burke is our guy opposite Sorrell. And we have two, you know, we have four defensive tackles now that are just rotating, constantly creating pressure. And then we play more standard and Hill kind of plays a standard linebacker and blitzes some blah, 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 blah. Right. We'll still be pretty good. I think the upside of this defense is is how creative Pete Kwiatkowski can get on the whiteboard. Yes, because I agree. 
the infrastructure of this defense is obvious. So, by the way, we haven't even touched on the fact that Texas is getting Trill Carter from Minnesota. Uh, I don't know if you saw him. I did watch his film, and I got I got to tell you the story, Randy. I was laughing because people were enthusiastic on, on inside Texas, and I owe it. Sometimes I'm diplomatic, but I owe it to the readers and the fans to tell them my true opinion, right? I had it in my head somehow. I turn on the Minnesota tape and I'm watching his, not his highlights. I just want to watch a regular game and like see him in normal circumstances. I get it in my head that he's number 93 somehow for Minnesota. And number 93 for Minnesota ain't having a good game. Let me guess, he went number 93. He is not number 93. I realized about seven minutes in because I was like, I'm going to have to write on these comments like, hey, dude, this guy is not very good. And we haven't, this is a waste. Uh, And then I realized he's number one because I go back and look at the, uh, you know, what at the roster. And then I look at number one. I'm like, oh, oh. Oh, this guy. Oh, this is good. This this is a pleasant surprise. This guy's well, got a good motor. Uh, this is good. Why why would the defensive lineman be number one, not number ninety three? Exactly. Well, hey, I, I've got my <laughs> my numerology theories on single digit interior defensive linemen. They won't play the run, but Shul Carter breaks that my my uh, prejudice. So, so I have, I haven't seen any any uh, film on him yet, but he's good. Everybody everybody's excited about it, and I've heard that he comes across as a very intelligent. Um, interior lineman that's very capable. I'm, I'm sitting there laughing, man, because you're either telling your kid to go to bed quietly or you're slapping at fruit flies. Every no, time. I'm telling my kid to go to bed. <laughs> I've had uh, two of them have now popped their head in. They've now appeared at the door. I'm like, get it's 1029 in Texas. No bedtimes enforced in yoke in the country. I didn't know country no, living that kids were, just we, stay up all night and go no, wild. And we haven't, we've enforced bedtimes already and they're still coming in. So <laughs> uh, we'll figure it out one of these days, maybe. Well, so Trill Carter, that's great. Um, I think you put him in the rotation and now this has become a good rotation. You've got sweat Murphy no, Collins I, Carter. Did you see uh did you see big boy from New Jersey? What do you got in there? I tell you what, dude, that guy, <laughs> that guy can push people around, right? When he's not tired, things move the other direction. He's, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's got some some conditioning stuff to work on, but I mean, oof, I'll, man. I'll put him out there. What, I'll throw him out there as well. I mean, let's let's do it. Uh, no, I was impressed with him. I, th- I thought he had very good push, uh, good motor. Um, obviously, you know, heavy dude, and, you know, things to work on conditioning-wise, but uh, – I was very, I was really, he was, so there's probably two or three guys that I was like, I'm going to watch them in the spring game. He was one of them. Uh, Malik was the other. And then I was kind of interested to see what Catalan was going to do. Obviously he didn't play. So only got to see two or three, but um, yeah, man, I don't know. I'm excited about that. Let's throw that dude in the middle and see what he can do. Yeah, and you know, I kind of gave my proviso, my caveats on um, end of half situation. The other team's got the ball, and they're in hurry up. Let, let's keep him off the field. Let's. Yeah, no, I mean he's got his place right now, right? You know, yeah, if if, if if a team goes hurry up and they get a first down, and he's you get you get caught with him out there by play eleven, play six actually, you might be in some trouble. 
but you can situationally substitute this guy. And the beauty of having, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. The beauty of having four dudes in front of him is that you can do it at your whim. You could do it when you yeah, feel it, like it. It's it's not a position of weakness. No, like, it's a strength. You, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you pick your your chance where it's like, mm, I think we're gonna, or, or I think they're gonna probably try to run the ball here, right? Yep. Yeah, you throw them out there and then let them go hard for four or five plays and roll them out. Did you, uh, so I, I think the, what is, what's the impact of Trill Carter? Just the really quick one, you've got your fourth dude in the rotation. Like, so we're just going to rotate constantly. Trill Carter is going to be out there with sweat, or you're going to have Collins and Murphy paired up and everything in between. And those four guys are just going to relentlessly be charging upfield. So the best thing about that for me is you have multiple guys that can play the two interior linemen positions. Yep. If you get in certain situations, you can go heavy. Yeah. And throw a couple more on the field. I think all those guys also have the ability to rush the passer or push the pocket. We'll say push the pocket. Not necessarily rush back. But so you can go three heavy across in a nickel whatever thing with those three guys and still have the ability to bring pressure off the edges, you're not losing anything in the middle run wise. It, it just opens up. If I'm Pete with Witzka- Pete Kwiatkowski, I'm pretty happy right now. Yeah. Cause I don't know that he ever had this level of talent across the board at Washington. No, he had comparable defensive tackles or actually better defensive tackles. Probably right? so. Probably so. But not as many. Correct. And in Washington, he was always like pulling an edge out of the stands like a frat guy and making him his edge. So, I mean, I, I think he can roll people in. I think he can push people out. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, he could roll five. I mean, he could run five defensive linemen out there if he had to. Well, and, and let me ask, let's go or back to he our, could, Or he could end up with one and throw a nose tackle out there on third and 17, and we can run dime, and you got two linebackers that can hold up against the run. Yeah. And they could blitz, they could not. Well, and to your point earlier, and us talking about dime and trying to get those corners on the field, well, where do you need to be strongest if you want to get corners out there and play the run light by numbers? Yeah, secondary, second level. Defensive tackle. Well, yeah, and then you want to have a guy behind them who cleans everything up, Jalen Ford, right? You, you you want somebody over the ball that can control the center. Yep. And if you control the center, you're essentially controlling the interior three offensive linemen. Yeah. Because they know that your center can't block that guy. So if he slants right or left, they have to account for him. Now you got tackles mashed up one on one. I mean, even if you just send sacrificial lambs at the tackles, yeah. Okay, we, you know, whoever those two people are, it's great. Okay, we that's three people. Yeah, can, they, can, you got eight dudes that can do whatever you want them to do. Can we blitz? Can we do this? Can we drop in coverage? Can we zone fire? Can we, you know, man half the field combo the other side off zone? I mean, it just, like I said, man, it, it, it's like a freaking open palette for, for Kwiatkowski to just design whatever the hell he wants to do, if, if you can pull that off. Well, and, 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 if I think, I'm gonna, and I think we can. 
And if I'm going to have to play the run with some undersized guys, I don't mind that it's Ryan Watts and Jade Barron being asked to come up and fill. 100%. Uh, Ryan 100%. Watts will be more than adequate uh, coming up and hitting some running back yep. right in the mouth. Uh, it's not going to be a problem for him. And, and Kwiatkowski can also structure that to where he forces that run that's the quote-unquote advantageous run to the boundary. Yeah. Okay, cool. Your, your best option as a quarterback, you come to the line of scrimmage and go look it around and go, yep, I'm going to audible to a run to the boundary to Ryan Watts. Yeah. Who's our most physical corner and who is absolutely put on tape that he will come downhill and destroy your running back. And that's my that's my best option as a quarterback at this point in time. And all the I'll, pursuit, I'll take, I will take that all day as a defensive coordinator. One hundred percent. And all of your pursuit on defense is fast. Yep. I mean, that's the nature of putting those guys out on the field. Absolutely. I mean, it's it. it I, and I agree with y'all. I mean, <laughs> if you can play dime and dare them to run the football, and then say, "Hey, you can't run the football." Yeah. Good luck, OC. Now, what are you going to do? If if Bama and you know and they'll be one of the yeah. few teams that might be able to do this, we're going to come out double tight. Well, all right, you scrap your plans, but then you know what you do? Maybe you play a nickel. And you say, "We don't that's fine. We we don't have the personnel to match up with double tight. That's fine. Let's play a nickel and see if you can run the ball on us because if you can't, your new young quarterback who is not Bryce Young who did yep. not put the ball in peril against us in Austin and basically pulled the game out of his ass. Let's be honest. Yep. Right. hundred percent. Yep. Um, your young quarterback in his first really tough action. I'm not optimistic. It's going to be Jalen Milrow either. Um, it's going to be gonna, Milrow. You think it's going to be Milrow starting? It's going to be, it's going to be Milrow. Okay. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but I'm not, I hope, saying, I, I'm not saying it's the right decision. Okay. Jalen Milroe will be the starting quarterback for Alabama. Going well, then I hope Texas is the game where he gets benched the next week and I someone new gets is, trotted out. I think that has a very, very real chance of happening. We're drunk on the Kool-Aid, Randy. This is good. I like it. All right. Defense. Is there anything else? Oh, so my point about Pete hitting the whiteboard is if you've got your infrastructure of D-line You've got your one reliable edge in Sorrell, and Sorrell is Mr. Reliable. You know exactly what he can do. He's physical. Um, You're not sure about the other edge in your traditional defense, right? And then you go, you have this elite sort of freaky, twitchy freshman who I think I pointed out in the Ian podcast that there's a play, (laughs) which is awesome, where Peyton Kirkland, all 360 pounds of him, is tasked with blocking Anthony Hill on a run on a pass blitz and Hill doesn't see a clear gap. So he just kamikazes Kirkland and knocks yep. this dude 140 pounds heavier on his ass. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, I didn't get to the quarterback, but I chose violence and I put you on your ass and that's fun. And that's football. And I'm going to jump up and do it again. Next play. Uh, so you got that asset. You got Jalen Ford who is, the run diagnostician linebacker, traditional guy, who's also great in pass coverage. And then you've got these corners. You've got safeties that are at least going to be adequate. I got to think you can hit the whiteboard hard, man, and do some really interesting uh, stuff. I, I think you can get crazy. And I think from all intents that I've 
that have heard, uh, not plugged in, by the way, like y'all are. I think those guys are smart. And I, and I think they have the ability to execute multiple different game plans and or multiple different adjustments to a said game plan. Yeah. Um, and if you have the athleticism to do that in college football, man, that's, that's gold. That's gold. Well, and, and it leads to, so when you have a dime out there, you can play man under in coverage, oh, yeah. yep. which is a devastating coverage at the college level, because if you have good corners and what you're, what you're tasking them, what man under effectively means, I'm going to simplify it. So y'all don't get all football nerdy on me, but what you're basically telling your corners is in the short to intermediate game, you have solo man coverage challenge every throw. So they don't get any freebies. And by yeah. the way, we're still keeping two safeties over the top. And those guys got your back. So if a guy tries to get you on a jerk route or a gotcha route or a fly, we got you covered, man. So attack everything short. So if y'all will think back to 2009 Texas with Will Muschamp, we were a man under defense with Curtis Brown, guys like that, with Earl Thomas over the top saying, I got you covered. You guys jump every ball you want. That Texas defense, Randy, scored nine defensive touchdowns on sacks and pick sixes nine you think that changes your season 100 percent it does i mean so i'm not saying that we've got earl thomas back there i believe me we don't but i am saying that if you are really confident in your cover corners and you've got good safe and you're good enough where you can put safeties back there and then you trust that you could stop the run with this dt personnel with sorrell with jalen ford and this maniac freshman running around, <laughs> um, you can just basically shit all over 90% of college yep. passing games. Of, of what college offenses were capable of doing. I mean, what the average college quarterback is accustomed to throwing and getting every Saturday by concession, you take it away and say, you can't make that throw anymore. Do something that you can't do, buddy. So, so I was going to get here, but here seems like a good point to do it what college offense in the big 12 is better equipped than we are at quarterback this year uh great question the answer is none in case you're wondering <laughs> that was a rhetorical question you didn't really want an answer <laughs> But where I'm going with this is, and it and it filters into what you're saying. You're going to force a lot of people in the conference into doing everything that they don't want to do. Yes. And I think we can probably do it in the running game as well. I feel more confident in the passing game than maybe so the running game. But, I mean, pressed, I'll, I'll throw it back to you. Sorry I interrupted you, but. Who, who in the conference compares to what we have in the quarterback room that you would say, okay, we're going to do this defensively and they can make these throws that will hurt us. So will Howard, if you, if they're he's, able to run the, the ball, one, he's the one guy. 
that scares if, me. If they're able to run the ball, their play action can be pretty deadly because he can extend and he's big, strong guy. And, you know, and he can get the ball down. He's not scared to throw it down the field. Now, yeah. K-State, they return their entire offensive line. So they're going to run the ball. They don't have Deuce Vaughn. And that yep. dude was a little witch. He was amazing. Um, and they lose some very underrated receivers. The Kansas State wide receivers were very good. And I don't think people appreciate that because they don't throw and they don't put up statistics, right? But if you watch them, if you watch Malik Knowles, Phillip Brooks, those guys, they can fly. And they'll make a play on the ball. And so I don't know how threatening Kansas State's going to be down the field this year. Kind of a to-be-determined deal, right? Yep, TBD. They're, they'll be good. And then OU – uh, look, they they have the big they have the big splits. They're able to run the ball. They lose their offensive line. Uh, they did replace them with some guys. We'll see. Um, I think they have a talented running back. The the young freshman they played some in the bowl game against Florida State. He's good. And then Dylan Gabriel is a function of play action, right? And the kind of defense Randy and I are describing this dime then where oh you can't run the ball. Dylan Gabriel is going to throw three interceptions. Yep, if, if, 100%. If, if, if you're trying to play action on a dime defense, you're in trouble, man. He is the quarterback that defense is designed to stop. Yeah. So yep. we're all fired up about this dime. Uh, <laughs> we may not run any of it. Uh, yeah, let's do it. First game. Yeah, we probably won't run it all year, right? But nonetheless. But I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, it's. It's not as scary of a Big 12 as it typically has been. No. No, I, it's eminently winnable, and I think we've got enough. So, you know, one of the ways you lose in football, because people like to think of football as like, well, most talented team wins. And, you know, there's truth to that. But if you are inexperienced at quarterback and offensive line, I can do a bunch of bullshit as a defensive coordinator with my oh. inferior defense that gives you problems. And the reason you can't overcome it is not because your coaches suck. Yep. It's because literally you don't have the tools for those guys to execute your adjustment. And yep. so people kept questioning Texas's offense last year of like, why do we start gangbusters? And then we fall off this cliff and it's well, because we can't execute the adjustments to their adjustments. And I think this offensive line and Quinn Ewers, they're by no means as mature as they will be uh, down the road, but they have just enough now under their belts that we're going to be able to adjust to some of the adjustments and yep. make them pay for it. And we've got the receivers to really make them pay. Let's talk about those guys. Who's your favorite? Uh, so Xavier Worthy has so fallen into disfavor. <laughs> that I think people forget that he's really talented and he's extremely quick. Um, Xavier Worthy on the effective RPO game where he runs that little in route is not coverable. Yep. It's, it's like a free 15 yards. Mm -hmm. um, that said, we haven't seen a dude like A.D. Mitchell in terms of body control here in a while. And, you know, shout out to Jerry Hamilton. He and I did a, a, a video and he just said, can we just see a receiver make a play for the quarterback? Like that would be nice. It helps the quarterback and it certainly helps the offense. 
AD Mitchell is going to be a guy that's going to make a lot of plays for the quarterback. And then finally, Whittington from your neck of the woods. I just think he's going to have a lot of open space to run around in because people are so scared of Worthy and, and Mitchell. So, so he's my pick to be just crazy productive this year. Whittington. Yes. Yeah, it makes sense. Obviously, local guy, this, that, whatever. I think Worthy is going to have a bounce back here. Um, it's going to sound stupid, but I think his hand injury had a lot to do with last year. It affected his ball tracking? Probably not so much from a physical standpoint, but I think whatever they're playing up to be a hand injury, put it in quotes, that had a lot to do with his year. You're, you're speaking uh, in code here. What, do you, what are you saying, Randy? I'm saying I don't think a hand had much to do with his um, tracking of the ball. Okay. But I think the fact that they were willing to mention it in public leads me to believe that there was something other than that. Okay. That was going on. I don't know what that is. But I, I just don't think that a uh, major college football program would be willing to put that out there to defend their guy um, if there wasn't something happening. And I think anybody that knows football is smart enough to know that, like, a broken hand probably didn't deal with that. So I, I think he had some stuff going on. That's my opinion, whatever. Um, but the guy can get open. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, the dude could run up at the sideline and throw an out route fake at the sideline, and he can convince the corner that he needs to go cover the front row of the stands. Um, you know, he, he can get open. Um, I think yours is going to be a lot better. I just think our running game can be really good. I don't know. Everybody, that's kind of what everybody's sleeping on, right? Like yeah. everybody's like, ah, well, you know, you lost Bijan and Rojan or Roshan. And uh, I just, I mean, I understand that. Don't get me wrong. Those two guys, you know, great ambassadors of the program, this, that, whatever. I think the O line is going to be a lot better. And I think we got running backs that can take advantage of it. I think they're going to be good. Yeah. And I think the receivers, having three dudes and then a fourth Jonte cook looks really good to me. I think Moore's going to be good too. Um, I, I just think he had a little, little nervy, nervy tummy there. Yeah. Well, he, he ended up catching six balls. Yeah. No, I, so, I just, I swear. everybody's going to remember the drops, but I think he's going to be good. But yeah, no, I think, I mean, I think it, I think it's going to be a little bit more spread than what people think it's going to be. And I know people think it's going to be more spread, but I think it's going to be a lot more spread than what people yeah. think it's going to be. So I, I think that to your point, Randy, the running game can thrive based on some choices the defense makes. Yep. Because they're going to say, hey, look, man, like we're not giving up 60-yard touchdown throws or 20-yard chunks to Jordan Whittington in the middle of the field, wide-ass open, because we've got a double, multiple guys. And by the way, Jatavian Sanders is releasing late, right? Uh, so, hey, we're going to play the, the run light or we're going to play it with penetration. Let's see if we can just muck up their running game and hope that it doesn't hurt us. 
I'm going to put you on the record right now. All right. Gunner Helm, TD catches, over under three. Oh, that's good. Um, see, I might put him right at three. but I, That's why I picked three, Paul. I'll go under. <laughs> I'll go under. Under. Yeah. Under. Okay. Yeah. You think he's going to sneak out a lot and go on? No, I mean, I think it's going to be three or four. Okay. But I just, I, I think he's going to be kind of a little like weird, hidden, hidden guy. Well, I'll tell you what, when the enemy DC is going through the Texas offensive personnel. No, he's not on the list. It's, it's not going to be, <laughs> hey, and finally, yeah. the number six guy, Gunnar Helm, y'all have to watch out. He's got pretty good hands yeah. and he's six, five, you know, yeah. whatever. Right. I don't think he's going to be mentioned. Um, yeah. He's going to sneak no, out a lot and, and get some free free touchdowns. So I, I, th- I think he sneaks out for two, and I think maybe one or two legitimate, like, hey, backside option guys. All right. Uh, who's going to be our number one runner? End of the year, who has the most yardage? Brooks. Okay. Is he going to break 1,000? No. Okay. How much is it going to be running back by committee? Uh, like how many dudes are going to rush for over 300 yards for Texas? Brooks is going to be at 750. All right. I'm going to write this down. Baxter is going to be at 400. All right. Um, don't forget Keelan's yeah. still on the team. Yeah, Keelan. Keelan's going to be about three, four hundred. Okay. We're talking just rushing yards, right? Yeah, rushing yards. Oh, getting a calculator out? No, no. What about the uh, who's the the walk on guy? Those out. Kai Woods. Kyle Woods is going to have 120 yards. Whoa. All right. He's going to get some good late game action. What about Jaden Blue? Oh, damn. I forgot about him. You did. Um, man, I think he's going to catch more balls than he's going to run. Yeah. What do you think? Give so me your I, I think the start of the year, I think your first two running backs didn't play in the spring game. Oh, I agree. Start of the year. Yeah, hundred percent. And then Great I think that. they're gonna they're gonna look to integrate Baxter. Um, That's what I was trying to figure out with Baxter. I think Baxter was gonna be at the end of the year deal, but I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at the end of the year if him and Brooke. I still I love Brooks. I really do. I think he's good. It's not just because he's from down in the neck of the woods down here, but uh, I think he has good vision. I think he has good balance. I think he has good lean. I just hadn't seen enough of Baxter, but I think by the end of the year, I think Baxter is going to be kind of splitting carries with him. What about Savion Red? I think he's a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. I think in a pinch, he could be the running back, and in a pinch, he could be the slot guy, and in a pinch, he could be a wide receiver. So but, part but of it just, his It just move? determines what that – what that pinch is, right? Yeah. So to, to your point earlier about DeAndre Moore, part of Savion Red's move was because the coaches got DeAndre Moore on campus and were like, oh, here's yeah. our backup slot. We're good. Let's move Savion somewhere else and take advantage. 
I mean, I think he could play running back. Yeah. You know, if, if, if everybody got hurt and he was going to be the starting running back, I don't think I have a problem with it. Let's say running back depth, not going to be a problem for Texas. If a guy gets dinged up or, you know, whatever, uh, we're good. I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a disseminated load. I think Brooks will have the opportunity to sort of be a strong one a if he seizes it right off the bat. If he doesn't, you know, if he has some nine carries for 37 yard type games, right. Then you're going to see it running back guy committee. They might play the hot hand um, and that can work. You know, I've, I've seen effective college football teams that do that. I've seen effective Texas football teams that do that running back by committee. Um, You know, we all love because of Texas's lineage. You love to have Earl Campbell, Ricky Williams, Cedric Benson, B. John Robinson, you know, these guys just carrying the mail, just destroying the defense, you know, getting 32 carries. Right. But the reality is that's a special breed of human who can do that physically. No, it's very true. Very true. And I think we're conditioned as Texas fans, like you said, that's that's a very real thing. But I don't know. Yeah, but I, I just think this um there's some things shaping up nicely. And then um I think we got some appreciation for what Cole Hudson did as a true freshman. Very true. That was not an easy task. No, not at all. For that guy. Not at all. And so he will be back. Um, and I know he's been able to, he's, he's working out. Um, so I, I know people are a little concerned about interior offensive line. I, I don't think it's unreasonable to be concerned about it, but I think people should also understand that we've got tools to get better there. And yes, these guys can also get better in the next four and a half months. This team isn't done. It's not complete. So do you have us uh, winning the Big 12 right now in your mind? Man. Yes. Yeah. Same. If we're, I mean, if we're not playing forward, at least, I think it's a disappointment. And I, this is one thing I was I thinking about on the way home. You know, everybody's like, ah, oh, it should be, it should be, it should be. Like, I feel bad at the at the fact that everybody's like, oh, the Big 12 is down. So we should win it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, we should win it all the time. Which that opportunity is gone. So whatever. Um, if we're not one of the top two teams in the Big 12 this year, that's it's a it's a bad season. I agree. And, you know, stuff can happen in an individual game. So when you see you know, oh, Texas, Texas has the you know, the yeah. something weird can happen, right? I mean, That's fine. I mean, it, everything's relative. We, we had this conversation. We had a meeting at work the other day and we talked about a bunch of stuff. And, you know, the question was X. And everybody kind of looked at each other and it's like, well, it's all relative. Like, you know, yes, I agree with that, but blah, blah, blah. It's the same thing. The same thing with Texas football. If everybody's healthy and we run through the year, yes, we should be. But 
this is the first year in a long time to where I think we can absorb injuries at major positions. Yeah. And still be in the same realm of where you thought you were going to be at the beginning of the year. Well, to illustrate the any given Saturday concept, this is a question 75% of college football fans would get wrong. Who won the Big 12 in 2022? Kent State. Yeah. What will most people say? TCU. Yeah, exactly. Most, so, no, I'd say most people would probably say OU because they don't pay attention. Oh, yeah. yeah well, good, point. <laughs> good point. But yes, the correct answer. No, I, you're on. And that, and that plays into it, right? That plays yep. into pro- public perception and, and everything else. But public perception doesn't really hold when it comes to University of Texas athletics. So No. Well, and so there was a recent article written in The Athletic, which was factually correct, right? But the thrust of the article was kind of stupid. It was written by this guy, Ari Wasserman. And basically, the whole thing was Texas is underachiever, blah, blah, blah. No programs underachieve more. And, and then the, he has this thing of like, Texas keeps firing their coaches and that creates instability and that's the, the lack of development and it's this circular thing. And it's like, well, yeah, but the way you break that circular chain is to hire the right coach and develop your players. It's not to keep a bad coach failing longer. And then the second thing he does is lagging indicators are not leading indicators. 100%. So that's, that's the biggest point. What, what, what people struggle with is the idea, oh, Texas always under cheese. And it's like, that was a different program. That was different coaches. That was different players. It was a different year. I understand the helmet's the same. I understand the mascot's the same. I understand there's a bunch of cute blonde cheerleaders on the sideline, you know, wearing chaps the same every year. Uh, I understand it's Paul and Randy screaming at their TV uh, every year. But they're all different. Everything's different. Yep. So what happened before, there's this idea of like, well, there's something in the water that's it's making this happen. And it's like, not really. No. Not really. Um, that's, a, that's a tired argument that people that is. don't, that, that's a tired argument that people that don't want to actually do the research into what's going on make. And I, I dealt with that the last two years that I was there in, in baseball. It's like, oh, oh, what happened when you didn't go to the World Series? It's like, well, yeah, we had 75 guys get hurt. And 60 of them were freaking studs. <laughs> yeah. So, and no, I, I mean, and I, and I followed Texas athletics long enough to know that people are very, very unrealistic when it comes to those things. I get it. I've been through it. Like, I don't know what you do about it. I mean, you don't want your fan base to leave you. And that's the best thing about Texas athletics is that you have a rabid fan base that expects to win. Right. Yeah. I mean, me, me and you are part of it now. Like, right. You know, it's, well, I've always been part of it. You are now, part of it now. Well, now, you, yeah. Now the guy performing. Well, now, now, you know, you know, I'm on, I'm on that side. Yep. Uh, and I don't have any less expectations of, you know, what Texas athletics should be now than I did when I was 12, but it's just, uh, 
it's a fine line to walk because one one little injury can change things. No, no matter what your depth is. Yeah, I mean if Alabama, you know, Bryce Young gets hurt last year, misses the Texas game, he misses the Auburn game, and misses the Bama game, or I mean, excuse me, the uh, Mississippi State game. Is Nick Saban on the hot seat? <laughs> uh, probably not, because because of past performance, right? But if Sark does that, firmly on it, right? Of course. So it's just it, you know, it, it's it's a fine line, and and it's athletics in college, and everybody gets it. I mean, it's a it's it's a business, and you're you're expected to win. Yeah, one of the things that I see a little different with this team, or at least what I, I think I'm seeing, is as Texas fans, because so many of us are recruiting freaks, we keep up with these guys and we follow them and their names become familiar to us and all that. We look at a bunch of names on the depth chart and go, well, look, we've, we've got three cornerbacks listed. Yep. We've got depth. And they're just names. You, you you could have three great cornerbacks. You could have three great cornerbacks that are going to succeed in three different places. Yeah. But it may not be a Texas. Yeah. Or you may have three that are all going to be first or second round picks. Welcome, then you, welcome, welcome to college athletics. Well, so here's the thing that I struggle with is I, I kind of know what good looks like generally. And so I'll go to the practice or I watch the spring game in 2021 and people are like, oh, Sark's going to turn it around. You know, we got Bijan. He's amazing. We got and they're kind of naming the headliners. And I'm looking at it going, hey, we don't have a secondary. Uh, and that's pretty important in college football, uh, like stopping the other team from throwing the ball uh, or coming up and supporting the run and making it a seven yard run instead of a 29 yard run. And Just a little bit. You know, people struggle with that because they're like, well, but surely this guy who's a name guy that we know and has good stats and is a good player, he could elevate us. And it's like, well, it's it's a it's a football team for a reason. And all of those guys important. And yes, quarterback is by far the most important and certain positions are more important. But the key is to have multiple dudes. And it's not just about, you know. 19 names and three headliners. Yep. So. What was the deal? It's, I mean, you, you just. You got to know how to manage your roster. You got to know where it's coming from. And then at a certain point as a coach, you don't know what's going to happen until they hit the field. Yeah. So you got to have that buffer. It's like, hey, man, I think I got some guys, right? I got some guys like we're, we're good. And then you throw those three guys out there and they're not good. And you get paid millions of dollars to win football games. And you're like, Oh shit, I got to replace these three guys. And I got one guy waiting. Where do I get the other two? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's it's crazy, man. Like, but, but I mean, that's 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 where we are in in college athletics, and 
it kind of started towards the end of my, you know, my deal there at Texas or whatever. But, uh, I mean, we ran through it. I mean, I mean, this dude came in as a stud. Some of them ended up as studs. Some didn't. Some ended up solid contributors. But trying to to forecast that, very, very, very inexact science. No doubt. I think that's what's good about having um, multiple guys because – you know, the first time Gavin Holmes doesn't do what he's supposed to do and, and tries to get a pick six and the coach says, hey, it was third and 14 there. We're, we're just trying to get a stop, like yep. read the game situation. Hey, Gavin, you're not good enough that you can do that and disobey me. Like, go sit for a couple of series. Terrence, you're in. And then Terrence Brooks goes in, rocks somebody, has a, a pass broken up and then gets an interception. It's like, hey, Gavin sit out a couple more series Terrence yeah. go in. we played he and then he plays for three weeks right yeah and then all of a sudden he screws something up and you bring somebody else in yeah Gavin or not to your point but I mean that's it I mean I, I played with guys I mean we had a dude show up like five minutes late that was hitting like 600 in fall inner squads Alarm didn't go off. The guy that took his place hit 395 for the rest of the year. And he ended up leaving. Yikes. So, I mean, it's it, that that's it sucks, but that's the atmosphere you want to create. A hundred percent. To where one little misstep, somebody takes you over. Now you have to go prove yourself over them. And if they never give it up, sorry about it. Yeah, I remember reading like when Miami was Miami, the Hurricanes, that veteran starters who were injured would just basically not go to the training room or they, they would yeah. not no, admit they wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't any go. injury because they yep. knew, you know, Frank Gore is behind you. You know, they, they know, they know that they know what's behind them. It's like, Hey, you know, young Ed Reed is behind you. You're, yep. And if he gets out on the field, you know, it's, it's a baseball term, right? Wally pipped, right? 100%. Wally pip people don't realize was like a, like all-star level player. Well, that, I, well I was, I'm glad you said that. Cause that's, that's one thing. Like everybody's like, Oh, Wally pip It's like, Oh no, it's just a random a dude. average. Yeah. It's a random average first baseman. Like, no, he was a legit, like, really, really good player. Yeah. And a really, really, really good player took his job, never gave it back. Yeah. Well, the, the second greatest player of his era. Yeah. Right? So, it's, I mean, that, that can happen. And if you have a healthy pro- – and, I, man, I can't remember who was talking about it the other day, but it's like, if you have a healthy program and people are leaving and starting at other programs, yeah, D1, you know, whatever – 2A or what, whatever it's called now. You have a healthy program. Because those guys are going, hey, coach, I appreciate it. I understand that I've been passed up by this guy. Appreciate everything you did for me. I want to play. I think I can play. I'm going to go over here. Yep. 
and Sark or whoever that coach is is going to say, man, I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate your hard work. But yes, you're correct. You got passed. I hope you go ball out over there and I hope you go to the NFL. Because if you go to the NFL over there, as a guy that left this program and this guy goes to the NFL as a member of this program, I got more to sell to recruits. Yeah. So you just gave a stamp of approval to Jimbo Fisher. That's, no, I that's, didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. Those guys are going to go to Sam Houston State and ball out. Uh, well, I said the people that take their place <laughs> have to be good. Oh, okay. That's right. That was the deal. <laughs> Man, he's gone nuts, hadn't he? Has he not gone nuts? Or so just... they've got they've had thirty transfers. I no, I mean I get all that. I'm not talking about that. Oh, you're talking like, about the, the I want a question from Texags. I don't want a question. No, from... no, I'm not even that. I'm just talking about the fact that like, I mean, people asked him about bringing in Petrino, and you can't just say, "Yeah, I like him." Yeah. So it just tells me that he didn't want to bring in Petrino. Like yeah. It was forced. I mean, the whole, the whole, that whole deal and his press conferences, it, this is players aside. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. Like that, that place is a weird place. Like people like it, don't like it, come in, come out. Like I, I, I don't judge people for that, but his reactions to what's going on there is just weird yeah. to me. The whole thing with Petrino. You're, you're, more, you're more plugged in than I am. I, I'm so not. I, I don't, just, I'm not plugged into Texas A&M at all. Well, no, Other, I just mean like into, in general. It does make me laugh because they have a, an assortment of position coaches who are sort of notable assholes. And in any program, basketball, football, baseball, you have to have a good cop. You have to have bad cop. Um, so I don't know what role Tommy Harmon played with Augie Garrido. Did was he good cop? Uh, probably not. No. Okay. Who was the? Fact, yes. So your pitching coach was good cop, probably. Uh, yeah. I mean, Augie was Augie was kind of indifferent. I mean, I I didn't really interact with Harmon a whole lot. Uh, okay. In the fact of actual baseball stuff. He dealt with more so the hitters. Uh, TH, uh, Tommy Hall or uh, Tom Holiday um, was kind of our guy. Uh, and then Skip, obviously, my last year. But um, that weren't, wasn't really the dynamic there. That's not really how Augie ran his run. That's also career. baseball, which is its own weird. True. It's different. It's different. But, but basketball uh, and football, was it fair to say you got to have a balance of good cop, bad cops? I mean, if, if you're going to throw it back to, like, you know, high school football, I mean, yeah, absolutely. There was definitely, yeah. a, definitely a good cop, bad cop uh, dynamic, for sure. I mean, when Steve Adazio was the head coach at Colorado State, he was – ejected from a football game so i think you got him and i think you got the uh old maryland guy yeah yes petrino is his own fascinating personality type yeah that dude's interesting and so so like i said i mean i i'm 30 almost 39 now so it's a lot different if i was 20 whatever but if I was, um, 
it would be a very interesting dynamic, especially if you're going to ask me to go to uh, College Station as a person from Dallas or Houston or Austin. Yeah, but if you're from Yoakum, this is like skyscraper. Yeah, I mean, it's you're I mean, fired up. Yeah. Well, that's, that's that. Well, that's the deal. There's right? an Applebee's. So I don't think they have Applebee's there. Oh, okay. Damn it. <laughs> uh, but it's just, I mean, it's, it's a dynamic that people have to account for, right? Like you, yeah. you have a deal and I mean, you know, I mean, Oxford, Mississippi has its own deal and, you know, Baton Rouge to a certain extent does. And I mean, the SEC's, I know everybody makes it out to be this like mecca of this and that and whatever, but I mean, yes, the fandom is crazy and it's unbelievable and that's great, but you're not going to LA. <laughs> no. And you can say what you want about LA, but or New York or wherever, but if you want to go to a college athletic event, yeah. It's going to be awesome. But you're not going to the Ritz-Carlton afterwards. Well, I got to tell you, the Texas fans are already finding out, and I know some wealthier alums who are trying to get their Bama hotels, and they're staying, you know, 90 miles from Tuscaloosa. I told you the story about when we played Ole Miss, right? No. Did you stay in Memphis or something? So. No, so we went, we flew in and it was absolutely atrocious flight in. It was terrible. It was thunderstorms, this, that, whatever. Uh, so we stayed in Oxford. I think it was a Ramada the first night <laughs> in, in Oxford. Um, we had fire alarms pulled. Everything was terrible, blah, 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 blah. Woke up the next morning. Augie told us, he said, pack your shit. We're leaving. And we stayed in, where the, where's the Graceland? Or not, not in Graceland, but uh, Elvis's hometown. Tupelo. Tupelo? Yeah. We went to Tupelo. Stayed in a hotel in Tupelo for that whole series. And wow. also, we played in Super Regional. Yeah, they, so, they do. They definitely, yep. they, they do home field advantage in the SEC. Oh, 100%. 100%. And we, so, had batter- we had batteries and all kinds of shit thrown at us in the outfield just during BP because technically the outfield was not part of the stadium. So they didn't have to open the gates to get into the outfield. What? So everything up against the outfield fence was picnic tables. And it was like uh, Little League World Series style. Oh, so you just got like townies. Yeah, that hill that hill out there, you know, it's 2 o'clock. We're playing at 7. It was full. I mean, oh, no. Yeah, it's not, but it's not part of the stadium. So, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's a tailgate, right? Unbelievable. Yep. I don't know if it's the same now, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I remember looking down and seeing AAA batteries next to me. It's like, well, glad you're not on the team or I wish you were on the team. I don't know. One or the other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, it's going to be a, a little bit of a culture change. It'll be interesting for us. Yeah, no, it'll be a, it'll be a weird deal, but uh, I, I think it'll be for the better. I, I got to say, I am getting a kick out of the fans who are saying, uh, well, it's going to be so nice to go into a league where, you know, it's not we're playing Texas and everybody gives it their all and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, it's that won't change regardless like, of where you go. Well, not only just because it's Texas, which has some cachet, it's that's the SEC. 
Yeah, 100%. They're, they're just as fired up that Auburn's coming to town as Georgia's coming to town as Florida's yeah. coming to town. Like, it, yeah. they, get, they get up every weekend. Like, there's, you know, yeah. I understand their, their non-con against UL Monroe. They might uh, not, not quite have that intensity level. Right. But it, it's, that's what makes it the SEC, right? It just means more. They care more. It just it's a yeah. fact. Well, it's 100% correct. But at the same time, even if you're going to the Pac-12, you're going to go play Oregon State on yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, they're fired up if it's Texas. If it's Texas, it's Texas. Like, Absolutely. I mean, people can get all bent out of shape about it, but sorry. It is what it is. Yeah, well, the, the people who are like, let's just be another game for Mississippi State the yeah. first time we go to Starkville. It's like, no, they won't. You're not quite getting this, buddy. Like, yeah. none, none of that's going to change. And the way to deal with that is to have the fans go, oh, shit. It's Texas. Yeah, That's what you want. And then you go beat their ass. Yes. And you go beat their ass. And then everyone goes, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I had friends who went to other schools in the big 12 when at Texas's height and, you know, Missouri's best teams, you know, which actually had some good players. You come in and the game's, the game's over in the middle of the second quarter. And Missouri kicked our ass a couple of years. I ain't saying anything about that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking more football, but I mean, and, and they said the attitude was just like, oh, yeah. Texas is going to beat our ass. But after that, we're going to run the table. We're going to beat Colorado. We're going to beat Tech, and we'll beat Kansas in the final, and we can go to a good bowl, right? Yeah. Um, that's what we want to get back to. And, 100%. you know, that's uh, – yeah, uh, getting back to the, that podcast you mentioned, The Pivot. I, I was, thought it was great. I thought it was really I loved good. it. I, I was very encouraged – to have to hear Sark say now maybe he's putting himself out there a little bit he's like I'm looking around and like the team looks the way I want it to look and they're acting the way I want them to act and whatever you say about Sarkeesian and he doesn't exactly have a glittering head coaching history right yeah he's been around very good football teams at Alabama at USC Uh like real good so if he he kind of knows what good looks like and if he would, if he says that publicly, hey, I don't know if he's trying to, you know, be Mr. Optimism and wish it into existence, but yeah. maybe that's what he's actually seeing. I agree. I agree. No, and and I and I agree with him. Like I, from what I see, reading this, that, and whatever, I think we're there. Yeah. Bobby Burton uh, was talking to. Uh, uh, Coach Irwin said, uh, "What was it? Man, he had a good quote. Everybody was we're 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 there. We're almost there. I, I can't remember what it is. But anyway, uh, he said we're here. I was like, no, I think I, think I was we're like, about we're here. coming. We're coming. That's what it yeah. was. He he referenced the uh, the Deion Sanders deal." Yeah, yeah. We we come in. We come in. He's like, no, I think we're here. Well, you know, there's always the coaches, whether it was Jackie Sherrill, famously at Texas A&M, when he started dropping bags and getting elite dudes. Later, uh, Dan Hurley, he said this at UConn. They both were like, get your licks in now. Yep. Oh, heard that one. And that's not an uncommon thing in coaching. And, you know, both of them proved prophetic in that regard. A&M put together some talent. Uh, Dan Hurley certainly put together some talent at UConn. But, I, I Sark didn't say that, but 
I, you know, I would say I would say that I wouldn't be that confident as to where we are right now, but I think we're definitely. I think the Big Twelve's there for the taking. Yeah, and if you do that, then you're right there where you want to be nationally. And then well, I think in I think in a couple of years with a couple more recruiting classes, I think you're where you want to be year in year out. Well, and honestly, if you if Texas wins the Big Twelve and say goes to the playoff, okay, great season. You find out where you are. Yes. Very quickly. And, and I, I always laugh at people who are like, oh, Notre Dame, they got humiliated in the playoff. And I'm thinking, I'd love to go get humiliated in the playoff. <laughs> you find out where you're at, right? Yeah. I mean, well, and by the way, the fact that you made yeah. it there, you won 10 or 11 games. 100%. Um, and you, you get some clarity about where your program is. Hey, uh, Kirby Smart got some clarity about Georgia when Texas and Tom Herman beat them in a bowl yep. game, Tom Herman now coaches at Florida Atlantic and yep. Kirby smarts on his second national title. So what are you going to do about that? Yep. It's not where you are. It's where you're going. 100%. Yep. So leaguing and, and getting back to what we talked about, leading and lagging indicators, they are not the same thing. So no, not even close. Yep. You're right. Hey, did, did we want to talk about anything else related to football? Anything you saw? Anything you wanted to mention? Usually uh, have I, like a random tidbit. Yeah, I do. Typically, uh, not so much this time. I didn't really get to dig into it too much. Uh, I think Quinn looked a lot better um, processing the whole field. And yeah. I know people have said that, but just from a quarterback's perspective, um, I think I think I saw that um, kind of hit on Malik. I think he did well with what they wanted him to do but everybody needs to pump the brakes a little bit because he was basically on a half field roll or a half field read. Yeah. Um, and then Arch, I mean, the dude was behind the third string offensive line. I mean, he's 12 years old. Like, he's already it. a bust, Randy. I'm not yeah, sure if you and, follow yeah, college I mean, football Twitter. Yeah, let's send him, send him to Canada and sign him up for the Montreal Grays or <laughs> whatever the hell they're called. Uh, but no, when he's supposed to play quarterback at Texas in a couple of years, I think he'll be fine. Um, let's see what else. A new punter is coming. Oh, don't worry. Oh, line wise, you can't really make any references because we had some guys missing or whatever. Yeah, funny. Yeah. Uh, man, I wish I was twenty. Yeah, maybe, you I may be able to sneak into a sneak into a scholarship on the funding thing. But uh, yeah, we got help coming. I thought Sark's comment was great. <laughs> like, are you worried about this? He's like, no. <laughs> I found a guy. We're good. <laughs> well, he did it. So Chip Brown asked that question. Uh, and, shocker. And he said, um, aren't you concerned that you haven't seen this guy punt? And Sark goes, I watched this guy punt for four years at Stanford. We're good, Chip. All right, let's end the press yeah. conference. He just walked off. Uh, great i didn't see that part that's awesome i just read the the transcript that's even better um, well the guy from stanford literally is a four-year starter yeah no he's so unbelievable yeah he's great he's good he's, he's good fine he's, he's not, not michael Di he's not michael dixon but the but, point is he's, he's not going to come in and freak out the first time he has yeah, the punt like yeah it's not Sark, yeah, you haven't even yeah. seen this guy punt like, how's no, he gonna handle this yeah he's 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 okay like, Hey, this transfer, Randy Boone, he's pitched uh, 190 innings at Texas. How do you think he'll handle his first start at Florida 
it's like i yeah. bet he'll go out and pitch uh i think yeah, it's, he'll, he'll be fine throw, he'll probably find home plate and throw it <laughs> yeah. over the top of it right speaking of, speaking of home plate uh baseball wise we need to find some guys that can do that yeah but, old, uh, uh, anyway, we'll we'll save that we'll save that for a couple of weeks we got we got skip coming into town this weekend yeah we do Oh, you! I need. I'm gonna try and get up there one game this week. Hey, speaking of the Big Twelve being down, I think this team oh, is is very fortunate that the Big Twelve is way down. I mean, I I don't. I mean, I'm not throwing stones at anybody, but I think anybody that's worth their salt in anything can say it's a, it's a down year for the Big Twelve, and we should take advantage of it on the way out. Yeah. Have you? When was the Big 12 the strongest when you were there? Outside of Texas. Obviously, Texas was the, the prime mover. Uh, it was pretty good, though, 405. I mean, honestly, the whole time I was there. Was, was that when the good. Aggies were good and then they kind of choke in the. Eh, no, AM really wasn't a, a factor then. Okay. Nebraska, Nebraska was really good. Oklahoma was pretty good. Oklahoma State was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, tech, I mean, it was Tech. Um, Kansas was actually decent back then. They were against Texas. Not, not yeah. I mean, not really. I mean, Kansas and K State both, and Missouri too. I mean, honestly, like we never played Missouri well at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, back in the day, it was pretty competitive. Um, I don't, I don't think you had, you know, just crazy crazy top end talent across the the conference but i mean th- there was no easy road trip i mean it, it sucked having to go to kansas or kansas state just for the travel or whatever but i mean as far as a talent perspective goes i mean we we struggle with those guys as much as we struggle with anybody else i mean baylor baylor was good to have the year we won the national title baylor swept us um during the regular season. And I think they beat us in the big 12 title or a uh, big 12 uh, tournament as well. And then we finally got them in Omaha. Sucks for them. <laughs> Should have won, won the right one. Randy's weeping. <laughs> uh, so the SEC is pretty clearly the best baseball conference. No, I don't think there's any question about that at this point in time. Pac 12s. <laughs> Or pack? What are they still the Pac-12? Whatever the hell they call them. Whatever now. they, whatever they're falling apart uh, into becoming. I don't know what they are now. I, I own. I mean, man, all the talent's almost over there. Um, I know, I know we recruit well, you know, statistically or whatever. But um, I think that move's going to be good for baseball, uh, just to be in the quote-unquote premier conference in the nation. And then basketball is actually looking up for the old SEC. Yeah, I mean, everybody used to say, you know, Big 8, Atlantic 10, Big 12, all that stuff. But uh, I think the Big 12 kind of moved itself into a premier spot. SEC kind of climbed up in there in the last couple of years. Yeah. And I think uh, the Texas OU move is only going to help it, so. All right. I got I got nothing else, man. I don't either. What else you got? 
Are you going to go round up your kids and uh, just feed them breakfast and then tell them to shower and go to school in about two hours? I got two pairs of eyes. <laughs> They're right just watching the you? Just right around the corner right here. <laughs> just, are they Are they utterly it's, confused it's like what you're doing? It's freaking 1130. And I'm like, what are you doing? But and, he's, to his credit, I told him to stay there and he has stayed there. He's staring right at me. <laughs> So maybe, maybe so he'll last, go to sleep. Maybe I'll get him to go to sleep. The know. last hour you've been talking, you just had a kid uh, staring at you, yeah, staring you like down. Forty minutes, I don't know. And he's just—he sat down at one point. I thought he was going to go to sleep, but no. Nah. Man, I don't know. That is unbelievable. Kids, man, kids. What are you going to do? That is awesome. So. That is great. Well, your uh, your struggles with getting your kids into bed is is epic they're they're normally good it's just it's it's got to be something to do with you You something about podcast night yeah you bring out the best of them they know you're talking to uncle paul they get all fired up yeah that's you come come down we'll do one of these in person one time i'd love to that'd be awesome you're invited we'll go hit uh and then and then not applebee's oh we can find applebee's somewhere around here and then i'll make you i'll make you put them all to sleep Oh, I'll get them to sleep. <laughs> I'm 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 a slightly older generation than you. They, I grew up where your parents would give you Benadryls and like knock you unconscious right before a big car trip or a flight. My uh, my like my neighborhood, my there were families that when they took the big road trip, they'd give the kid like half a Benadryl and like a little shot of whiskey, <laughs> and then nine hours later the kid would wake up. Like, are we there? We sure almost. are. Almost, <laughs> almost. So. All right. Well, we are there, and that's that's gonna. Be, we're gonna end on that note. Uh, some of you, if you're listening to this at night, I hope you get to bed. I think most of you are probably listening to this while you're working out or mowing your lawn or who knows what else. But uh, yeah, you got uh, me and Randy, two fairly skeptical, realistic guys. We're kind of drinking the burn orange Kool Aid a little bit. Hey, man. I'm in now. I'm all in. Let's all do right. it. Well, I'm I in. went to I went to Bet Rivers, and we got a Texas plus twenty five hundred national title bet. So purely on principle, I had to throw down twenty five bucks. So we'll we'll see what happens. I I don't think the odds are in my favor, but hey, I've hey. made dumber bets. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> hey, for Randy Boone, I'm Paul Wadlington. We are out here. Hope all of y'all have a good night and uh, we'll have more. I know we've been a little sporadic on our recording. I'm going to be interviewing a bunch of different folks. Randy, of course, being the mainstay. Uh, and Randy's going to find a way to get his kids to bed and not work 75 hour weeks as well. And we'll be able to do some more podcasts. Working so. on No, I'm going to, we're, we're going to, uh, we'll be more, uh, more, uh, more consistent for sure. And and what what's going to fire Randy up is it's the end of April. Spring football's open over. The football players are like they're out of there. So now all I can talk about is baseball and he's just licking his chops. He's excited. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Right. What we are going to do is get out of here. Y'all take care. Welcome. Do you need a realtor in Central Texas? Of course you do. We all need a realtor in Central Texas, even those of us who live in Dallas or Houston or San Francisco or Denver, Colorado. 
you need to go to Central Texas anyway. And the reason is Laura Baker is a fantastic realtor. She's great at what she does. She's a member of the elite Andy Allen team for Keller Williams. You can reach her at 512-784-0505. Talk with Laura if you're thinking about putting your house on the market. This is a great time to get market comps. Uh, if you're looking to buy in the market, you need all the help you can get. Call Laura and it's 512-784-0505. Interest rates are up and the market is tumultuous. And now more than ever, you need the best darn possible mortgage broker working on your behalf. That's Gabe Winslow. And you can reach him at 832-557-1095. Or you can go to mortgagesbygabe.com. What makes Gabe so unique? Well, he's incredibly bright. He's a UT grad. He's got a law degree. He's been in the mortgage industry for over 20 years, and he is a true mortgage broker. What does that mean? It means he can shop for the best deal at over 80 different lenders and find you the terms that best suit you. Most mortgage guys you talk to won't reveal that they have exactly one size fits all for you and exactly one conduit to get your loan. If you are in these hyper competitive markets and you're in these markets that are frankly gotten a, less, a lot less friendly to the consumer, you need the best possible person working on your behalf. That's Gabe Winslow. He has our full endorsement. You can reach him at 832-557-1095.